Hey, my name's Neil Firmston, aka Fermi, and I'm a creative director, photographer, and wannabe pop artist. And you're listening to the Us People podcast with Xavier Rocks. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Us People podcast. I'm your host, Savvy Rocks, and today I'm humbled to have Neil here with me, who is a global creative director. Neil, thank you so much for coming on the Us People podcast. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad glad to be here. No, I'm definitely humbled to have you. I have a lot of gratitude to have you here. My first question for you, Neil, and I, I really do love to ask this question to everybody because it lets me know an insight about who you are as a person but could you tell me who you believe you are as a person but also where have you been brought up and how did that influence you to be the person who you are today yeah well um you wouldn't you wouldn't tell so by my accent but I was born in Newcastle in the in the north of England maybe by the fact that I say Newcastle not Newcastle (laughs) is a bit of a giveaway um but uh yeah, I mean, even though I spent most of my life in the in the south, I'd still say I'm a I'm a I'm proud to be a northerner, and um, I hold some of those values kind of close close to my heart. I think, and that's probably helped kind of shape the person that I am today. Perfect. Oh wow. So, how old were you when you first believed that you were creative, and this is an angle or direction that you wanted to get into? Or oh, um probably about four or five years old uh, oh wow yeah I mean it was it was it was one of those things where of course you know every kid is into art at that age but I was really really into it it was an absolute obsession and then um, when I became a teenager I think um, my dad's got an old videotape of me somewhere saying you know one day I want to be a, a creative director um, I'll have to dig that out at some point but it's it's, it's there yeah. it's there for you know for the fact that um, the hunger was all, always there, I think, from very, very early on. How was your family towards you? Did they support the fact that you were a creative director? Because I know how families can be when you say anything to do with creativity. How yeah, was it, it was, yeah, the, they were pretty supportive. I think there was one point um, before I went away to uni where there was a, a vague possibility of me becoming a, a stockbroker or a banker or something like that. Um, but mm. I said no art college is the way to go for me they probably just thought it probably thought I just wanted to lounge about and do nothing but no that, that, that was the passion maybe a little bit of that I don't know yeah. <laughs> um, what was your inspiration when it comes to work and starting in the industry of the direction of you being a creative director yeah I think um, I think again going back to me being a teenager it was it was just music and um and album covers and posters and everything about that i just i think that was my first introduction into the world of graphic design and how that could be used to kind of you know convey an emotion that was connected to a particular song and i was so inspired by you know very very early artists i'm showing my age now in the in the 80s um an 80s kid um so yeah, some of the graphics obviously in the eighties were absolutely amazing to the point where they've come around again. 
so yeah, mm. definitely kind of mu music graphics was the, was the starting point and then understanding how I could possibly kind of get involved with that side of things and, and make a career out of that. That sounds really good to me. How, how do you turn your ideas into projects? Because that's something really important as well when it comes to creativity. Yeah, th I suppose this is the difference tr between commercial art and, uh, and just general art and creativity. So on a professional level, all the ideas, um, for all ideas to become a reality, they need, they can't simply be random. They have to come from a brief. So, you know, a seed might already be planted in your, your head, but that's based on a simple kind of insight or, you know, a, you know, a, a customer want, et cetera. And, and understanding how that's going to resonate with, with people and be, we be turned into a big idea. So a lot of the time it is very much about insight and the best the best example i would ever give is think of the snickers adverts ah. there's a there's that insight around hunger and how hunger can mean lack of concentration you're grouchy and ultimately you're not performing at the level you're supposed to but the the, <laughs> the, the bigger we all know that the campaign that you know they're well famous and i think they're all over the world not just in the uk and the big idea there is you're not you when you're hungry uh, i.e. that Snickers comes to the rescue to snap you out a bit and you can start performing again like the real you. And the icing on the cake for a campaign like that is it, it, it takes that great idea and then they cast actors who were well known as being divas. So it amplifies that even further. And that's the beauty of a good idea where you, you take that core idea, which is already a good idea, and you build upon it and upon it and upon it and you understand how that can become a, a really, truly great idea. It's a bit like Roald Dahl, you know, Roald Dahl would write and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and he would, until he was totally and utterly happy with it. And, you know, in a commercial world, sometimes you don't have the luxury of time, but when you do, make sure you use that time to your best advantage, I think. That's true. I that's actually a really good example. Uh, I just, well, as soon as you said the Snickers advert, I just thought of the Elton John one. Yes, total DVs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Mm. <laughs> and then having the Snickers bar and then we'll being okay after that. Yeah. For people to understand you, Neil, a bit better, could you describe what a day in your life is like Ooh. as a director? I know it's a bit hard because you're going from the morning from when you wake up to the evening. And I know it can be a, a lot of creative directors who I've spoken to in the past said sometimes they, it's a really late night or a really early morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How is it for you, Neil, when you're starting in the morning? What is your routine like for you? Um, it's, I like to get up relatively early and have everything kind of planned out before the day starts, really, just to make sure that whatever comes my way, I'm going to be in a good frame of mind to be able to tackle that because uh, there's nothing worse than being a, a disorganised creative, and there are plenty of them out there. Um, I try not to be one of those. Uh, I try to to make sure that um, you know that I I'm able to give the attention to to the, the to the job in hand. Every single day is completely different in terms of that job, especially within my role because I'm not just dealing with one type of creativity or one type of design. It's you know it might be a piece of print or a piece of digital or film work. It it, it really does vary so it's just 
I suppose the most important thing is making sure you are switched on and you're ready to kind of tackle any questions. Because a lot of the time, my job is about justifying your your vision in the first place and making sure that yeah. if, if someone does question something, you've got the right answers. Um, I'm not a I'm not a coffee drinker, so I don't know whether that works to my advantage or not. So it's not like I wake up same and re- rely on coffee. Yeah, it's definitely the same as me. Um, coffee makes me extremely high, <laughs> so it's <laughs> not a good option for me myself. Uh, talk to me about branding and the objectives and doing a project for customers. Uh, how does it all work? Um, well, it, it, that really depends on the task in hand. So there's, the, there's an old saying, um, garbage in, garbage out. And the idea is that if the brief isn't good enough, then neither will the work be. Uh, Fair enough. And bearing in mind, I've, I've come from agencies where I'm working with multiple clients. Obviously, now I'm working in-house, so it's slightly different. But you've got you've to tread carefully because, you know, quite often a, a client will give you nothing and expect everything in return. So I think first and, first and foremost, you've got to start off and you've got to be quite firm with that. So the idea is that, you know, every product has an entirely different set of objectives. So it's important to, again, going back to that Snickers analogy earlier, making sure that we've got the, the right custom insight or a particular customer need will often steer that that creative idea and turn it into something great. So it's um, regardless of, of what the medium is as well. I think I'm very passionate about challenging a brief. So someone's asked me for a video and I don't believe that the video is the right kind of format to kind of to do the job within that brief, then I will kind of challenge that and 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 suggest um, what those alternatives could be. And also if a, if a brief isn't uh, tight enough, then you we really need to kind of make sure we steer that in terms of um, making it tight enough so that the, the final execution um, is a true representation of that brief. And there's this great quote, again, I'm a big fan of quotes, um, kind of inspire me along the way. And it's David Ogilvy, who's, I suppose you could say, was one of the original madmen. And, and he said, give me the freedom of a tight brief. And I'm a total and utter believer in that. See, that's a really good saying, actually. Yeah, it is. That is a really it is. It's one of those things where, you know, I, the, the best projects I've ever worked on is where I've got such a solid, solid brief. Um, I was very fortunate to work on a campaign for Purcell a few years ago. And Dirt is Good already existed. It already had done for years and years and years. And that, that was already yeah. steering you in such a, a strong kind of way to mean that your work was already going to be in a good place by the time you tackled it. So it's all, all the hard work's been done. Has there been anyone in your life, Neil, who supported you from when you were beginning to who you are and where you are now? I know sometimes in life there's different people because we go on different journeys, but is there any particular person who you could say has supported you throughout your life so you could be the person who you are today? Yeah, I think... I think um, art teachers um, kind of seeing the talent in me and knowing that I wasn't, I've never be, been a fine artist. I've always worked in a very, very graphical way. That's down to probably me growing up in the 80s and being obsessed by certain uh, certain <laughs> bands and their album covers. Um, and, you know, 
I had an, uh, an art teacher who was, you know, adamant that that was what I was going to go into. She, she knew I had such a passion for it and everything I did was in a particular style already. But outside of that, I think because I've, from a very, very young age, I've always been at kind of creative director level through a um, bit of a kind of happy accident, I guess, more than anything else. The, I'd, I'd say that in a non-creative capacity, perhaps, my mum and my wife have been my strongest advocates and have been very kind of um, very respectful of my passion behind my work and enable me to do that rather than you know held, held me back in any way and I'm, I'm totally and utterly grateful for those two women in my life see you have two strong women I do the very 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 strong women um you know they uh, and I'm very you know I've got two daughters myself so I'm obviously a big big oh, wow. advocate for, for 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 strong female role models and I think if I didn't have those people in my life I don't think I would be the person I am today or to be so respectful of others I think you I think you need that I think you need the yin to the yang and in terms of kind of balancing you out as a person and making you realize that even if you have got a fancy title like creative director it doesn't mean you can go about kind of acting uh, fancy <laughs> <laughs> you know you're one of the first people to actually say that to me okay um one of the questions I always ask people and I don't mind asking you it right now actually is I don't believe that we are defined by our titles, but how would you define you as a person rather than your title? How would you define who you are, Neil, as a person? Oh, that's a that's a really tricky one. Um, I try not to be too inwardly reflective, so it's hard to hard to know how to answer that one. I suppose um, I'm a in constant perpetual motion, always looking to, always looking to kind of better myself, you know, again, you know, going back to old sayings of you're only as good as your last project. I'm always very, very conscious of the fact that I can't just rest on my laurels and I am, I don't get arrogant about my work. I get very humble about the, the situations I've been in. And I know the best work I've ever done is through strong collaborations with the right people you know other equally kind of talented if not more talented people so it's yeah I think you know again I you know it's a bit embarrassing to kind of define yourself by certain words but I think I'm I think I'm very grounded um, which make I suppose makes me kind of humble in in terms of my role and what that role affords me that's true I like that that was really nice are there are there anybody or is there anybody that you feel that you admire because of their work within campaigning or designing or just being an artist? Is there anybody that you admire? Yeah, so so many people um, in in different capacities as well. So from a from a professional level, that's kind of close to the areas that I'm working in. Uh, there are so many people I went to university with and they're in a variety of different roles now or relatively senior roles. Two of them are a creative director team at the, uh, mm-hmm. I'd say the, you know, continually the best ad agency in the world. Uh, you'll be familiar with the work they've done for John Lewis. 
They, uh, they've uh, created, created a few campaigns for John Lewis. Um, another another great kind of um, university uh, colleague was uh, now an executive creative director, another fantastic kind of brand agency. And he's worked, recently worked on the idents for the BBC Two, a lovely kind of idents all oh, d- wow. done in lots and lots of different mediums. So he's a big part of that. So, yeah, lots of people I, I grew up with, really, and a few of those people I'm very close to um, today. I was, I was best man for one of the one of the guys, um, and another guy was best man at my wedding. So we, you know, even kind of twenty five plus years on, we're still uh, a quite a close knit bunch of people. So we're continually kind of pushing each other and um, admiring each other's work. Hopefully, um, in terms of what we're doing, because we're a bunch of uh, old guys still trying to make it in the industry and uh, still at the top of our game, hopefully. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I say you're as old as you feel. So, oh, 24 you, then. That's yeah. fine. I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm right there with you. There was something that you said just earlier on, and it was about album covers mm. and your teacher saying that's the kind of direction that they thought possibly that you might go yeah. into. And then a question popped in my head and I thought, let me ask you, what is the best album cover you have ever seen? Ooh. Well, I'd um, I'd probably argue something like Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Okay. Yeah. Which is just that prism, you know, with the rainbow kind of going through it. And it's, it's, such, a, it's such a simple design and... The story behind it was um, the band had gone to Storm Thorgerson's um, studio and he had a bunch of ideas, a bunch of crazy ideas about what he wanted to do for this amazing rock band. And they were just adamant. They wanted the first idea he kind of showed them. They were fixated on this. And it was literally an old kind of cutting out of a science book. That's all it was. Nothing grander than that. But it summed up the whole you know that the whole style of music they're into and the the name of the the name of the album as well dark side of the moon and i think for me and this isn't just of album covers for anything the the best ideas are always the simplest ideas that that, that transcend cultures and and really kind of resonate with the the largest audience to the point where you quite happily wear it on a t-shirt put it up on your wall have it as a tattoo you know, it can be applied to absolutely everything and anything. And I think that's the biggest, I think it's one of the biggest accolades. If someone wants to transform your own work into a tattoo and have that on their body for the rest of their lives, that's a pretty powerful statement, I think. Yeah, that's definitely true. I totally agree with you there. (laughs) Here's one for you. What is the funniest brief you have ever been given on a project? And how did it make you feel to be working on that project? And how did it come out? Yeah, there's, there's there's probably too many to mention, or maybe maybe uh, or maybe I can't mention them because some of them are really embarrassing, and I and I can't <laughs> I can't retell them, um, you know. But it, I suppose one one that kind of sticks in my mind in in recent years was um, I was involved in a shoot with both children and animals they say never work with children or animals well i work with both of them on this shoot and uh, and thankfully the kids were 
were well behaved. So is the dog. Um, but cats are an entirely different story. You know, oh, I was going to yeah, say you've, you've heard the phrase, like, it's like herding cats. Well, we were literally herding cats on this shoot. And we were informed by um, by the cat trainer that the cat was well-trained. But all that simply means is is following a piece of ham on a stick for as long as you, you want to. You know, that they'll literally just follow it and then bite it and then they'll be off and then you've got to put another piece of ham on a stick and carry on all over over again. Well, that's great, but what happens when the stick's constantly in front of the camera while you're trying to shoot away? You know, we, we were shooting some ident, I think it was at the time, for um for for a tv show and the final piece of work was supposed to be these you know the selection of cats at home gently climbing over a sofa you know before settling down to tv like all cats do all all good trained cats do um and this involved the owner just kind of tossing the cats over the sofa one by one literally look like throwing them out i think the, the owner herself had got so fed up with the cat she was literally just kind of throwing them over the sofa uh, should have been some health and safety person there for the for the cats at that point and then we we had to spend hours kind of compositing out her you know her vibrant kind of hands all over the place kind of throwing these cats over it worked it out in in the end but it was a, a bit of a nice nightmare in post-production to sort it out um but yeah it was quite quite funny to watch and try not to laugh I would have loved to have been there. Yeah. I don't think I would have been able to contain myself, but I would have definitely yeah. tried. Uh, yeah. uh, what is your mindset like when you're writing a pitch to a client? Yeah. Uh, well, there's this, I've got this brilliant diagram on my Pinterest board somewhere and it's the creative pit of despair. And the idea is that you you start off the, the process in a really positive mindset and you think you've got a a great idea your first idea is always brilliant you know it's wonderful and then all of a sudden you're at the you're at the top of that pit and very very rapidly you reassess that idea and you go right down to the bottom of the pit and you and you figure out that this is the worst idea ever this is not going to work how are we going to how are we going to get out this oh this is an absolute disaster we might as well give up now and slowly but surely, you build upon that idea, you strengthen it. Again, go back to that idea of writing and rewriting and reworking. And you slowly but surely crawl your way out of that pit until you get to the other side and you look back and you go, this is great, we've got this, because you've done all that hard work to get yourself out of that, that pit. So I think... Um, you've always got to start with the best intentions. You've always got to start with a solid kind of structure and framework. Um, and you've all always got to understand that at some point you're going to feel like you're not in a good place, but you've got, you know, that eventually you'll be at the other side. So I think only experience kind of gives you that. Um, mainly because when I was so young working on pitches, I'd be working till like two or three in the morning. Uh, I don't do that anymore because I, I feel again, this isn't me being cocky or arrogant. This is just me knowing how to go through the process in the right way and I, I you know I, I don't want my fellow younger kind of creative team necessarily going through that process of all the hard work so you know I, I, I hopefully will give them a little bit of wisdom in terms of that that pit of despair and knowing they'll get out of it at some point. That's actually really good advice. Yeah. 
<laughs> I love that. I was reading up about you and there was something that came up and I thought I would ask yeah. you because I thought this would be really helpful to people. And it's, so, it's something really simple. I was reading in one of your bulletin points and it says that you are consistent and unaffected by pressure. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about this. What do you mean by this? Because there are so many people that get stressed out at mm -hmm. work and stressed out with the project. And, but how does this work for you where you don't get affected by clients or people around you or deadlines? Yeah, I think, I think I'd boil it, boil it down to two different things that have happened in my life. I'll talk about the less serious one first. Um, and that's working in, working in the film industry. I worked in the film industry for quite some time, uh, mar marketing yeah. for kind of movie campaigns. And I got to, to work with lots of, you know, relatively well-known um, actors, some of them, you know, Hollywood, Hollywood stars. And you've got to, you just got to treat them like normal people. You haven't got to get starstruck and you haven't got to get in a flap about it because no one's going to get the job done. So it's understanding to be kind of level-headed and treating everybody how you want to be treated. And I think a lot of kind of stars, they are, you know, when you've got someone like that that's treating them like a normal person, they treat you the same the same way and you tend to get on quite yeah. well. And then this, the second one is... Um, just before my 30th birthday, I had food poisoning. I uh, didn't oh. think anything of, well, I said I didn't think anything of it. It was food poisoning that lasted about two weeks and I lost it several oh. stone. I'm not particularly kind of big man myself, so I didn't look particularly well. Got over that. And then six months later, I've been to a party, dancing all night, had a great time. And the next day, I, I thought, oh, I think I've overdone it on the dance floor last night. Um, I'm in absolute agony. I couldn't feel my legs. And this is getting, you know, I'm laughing away here because I can do. But, you know, slowly but surely, I lost the, the power in my legs to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't walk. I'd, I'd lost all the, the muscles had wasted away in my arms and legs. And it turned out, oh my God. yeah, it's quite, it was quite serious at the time. It's something called Guillain-Barre syndrome, um, which is quite rare. I think it only affects like one in a hundred thousand people. And it was the, it was the, um, the food poisoning, which was dormant in my system. And then it, it, what, what it did is the bacteria attacked my nervous system and, and caused it to shut down. And oh, so wow. this lasted for about six months and I, I just started a new, job as creative director at this point and you know I was like oh, desperate to kind of get into work and trying to figure out ways to get into work to, you know sh shuffle up and down the stairs and it was a, a quite a struggle but when I you know fast forward to six months later when I regained my strength and my ability to walk one I just loved walking I'd walk I mean to this day my wife and kids are sick of me because I love walking everywhere you know and I, I do and, uh, and, I, and I did back then, I absolutely loved just walking. And also that gave me the ability to realize, you know, and the specialists were saying, oh, you had one in 10 chance of dying. You're lucky to be alive. Most people would be kind of paralyzed or, you know, in a very, very bad way from this. You're very, very lucky. And that made me instantly more chilled and relaxed. I still, 
I'd say I still have a sense of urgency in my work and I'm very passionate about doing a great job, but I don't get stressed out by those little kind of niggly things where you've got no control over things. So, uh, yeah, I'd say it's those two that have paved the way for me being a little bit more unaffected by the pressure. I like that. It's, it, I think it, do you, would you call it an awakening of some kind? Yeah. In a sense. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I'm not particularly religious person, but I am a spiritual person. Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose a little bit of my wife's religion kind of rubs off on me. She's a, she's a Roman Catholic. Um, but I, I mean, I just kind of, I, I'm interested in religion in all shapes and forms, having kind of traveled, travel, been lucky enough to travel the world and engage with different cultures and religions. And I think so. It's a bit of an awakening. It does make you think about the bigger picture and our, our role within the bigger picture and how, and, yeah. and what we want to get out of that role and what the best way of going about that is as well. And, you know, simple kind of things like, treating people the way you want to be treated and also that idea of serenity you know understanding what you've got the ability to change and what's just going to happen anyway and knowing the difference in between is is very very important i think people sometimes forget those those simple little guiding principles in life and it's very important to come back and and revisit those i think just the simplicity of life yeah yeah, yeah. i understand how do you feel about the next generation of creatives coming in? How do you feel that they will make a difference in the creative world? Knowing that you're, I know before you were saying you're working with them, so you most probably have a really good insight of maybe possibly how the next generation will develop and bring things to evolve in the world. How do you feel about it? Well, um, I, I think uh, I think we're in safe hands, that's for sure. Um they are they're so incredibly driven and um and confident i mean i if i had an ounce of what uh you know a graduate's kind of confidence is coming into the industry then you know god knows where i'd be now but it's it's incredible really and i you know i i'm very kind of proud of how far they want to kind of push things and especially on the creativity side of things they they, as I say, they're multifaceted. They, they can do so many different things because they used to kind of creating these one man or one woman kind of creativity, um, I suppose, kind of shops within their own kind of bedrooms or whatever, you know, where they might be, yeah. you know, making a, making a podcast or creating their own little move, short film or movie or whatever, or, or all kinds of things. And I'm, you know, it's it's incredible that they that they know that they've got the ability to to do that. They've got the tools to do that. I suppose the one thing I'd always kind of look out for is that you ne- you never kind of jump into the execution too early. Always uh, always iron out what that idea is first, because we, especially as makers and creators and crafters of of work, we're we're so interested in what the final result will be but that shouldn't be to the detriment of making sure that your idea is as solid as possible first and foremost that's definitely that's really good advice there that's definitely really good advice what is the best advice Neil that you have ever received from somebody and how has that helped you in your life 
Ooh, um, I think simplify. Yeah, mm. simplify. You know, it's it's all very well trying to be clever, um, but if you don't if you don't have a a very very simple thought that kind of paved way to a strong creative idea, then then it's going to be all over the place. You know, your consumer, your audience will look at that and they won't understand it because it's trying to say too many things. And it goes back to the essence of any good creative brief is being single-minded. You know, some people call it single-minded proposition or, you know, in the old days it was, you know, the unique selling point of a, of a product, whatever. If you can't boil it down to a very, very simple single thought, about where you want to go with it, which will then spark tons and tons of ideas, but they're all very, very focused ideas. Um, that's that's the best. Again, it's something that so many people forget and so many people in marketing want to be all singing or dancing. But the problem with that is, yeah. it, you know, it's like, it's like throwing a hundred balls at a person and expecting them to catch one. They'll be so dumbfounded by the fact that a hundred balls are coming towards them, they won't catch one. But if you if you throw a single ball to them, most of the time, you know, providing they haven't got butter on their hands, they'll catch that ball. See, that's an idea right there, actually. <laughs> yeah. See, Neil's got it on point. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, what would you do if nobody was judging you? What would you do differently if the word judgment was taken out of the dictionary? It didn't exist. We're constantly getting judged by people every single day of our lives. But what would you do differently if there was no judgment in the world? Do you see that your life going in a different direction or would you be more confident? Ooh, it's, it's tricky in a commercial capacity to understand how, how yeah. judgment would um, either help or hinder you. I think, it, it, I think for yeah. overall kind of creativity, you know, lack of kind of judgment could be a good thing, but you've still got to, you've still got to have a good steer to kind of progress that idea and push that idea forward. If I'm, if I'm speaking purely in artistic terms, because, you know, I do a bit of kind of art in my spare time or whatever, and that, that is based on yeah. zero judgment. That is totally and utterly for myself because my, my career has been fixated on, coming up with commercial ideas for for clients for brands for products which is which is fantastic you do some great work you get lovely big budgets but at the end of the day you are always compromising your idea based on many different kind of factors and many different opinions quite often and the and the yeah. beauty of art is it can be totally and utterly self-indulgent and it is purely purely for yourself so it's you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, it's that it's that kind of divide between art and and commercial art, and understanding where judgment actually plays plays a positive role in forging that idea yeah. and making it stronger. So rather than looking at judgment as a as a negative thing, looking as at it as a as a positive kind of energy which kind of pushes you forward and and drives you to do better and better. Maybe I understand that. Here's one for you. I, I thought of this. I was writing it down as you were talking to me because it popped in my mind. And you've worked on so many projects and I've seen the list. And you've also won some fantastic awards as well. 
is is there anything that you would like to share about what it done for you to win an award for your work and how that inspired you to continuously be creative and to evolve yeah i was i mean i think in the early stages of my career i was a bit anti awards you know i was yeah. a bit skeptical about them because it's you know you've got to pay your entry fees and generally it's the big kind of brands that win the awards because that's what becomes newsworthy so uh, yeah I was as I say I was a little bit kind of mm, I'm not sure whether this is going to do anything for me but then I kind of you know in in certain kind of parts of my career when I've been running agencies I've been running the business as well as being creative I saw the value in that award-winning status and what what doors that opens up for you so it's not it's not necessarily about me on a personal level because yeah. you know i think realistically speaking anyone anyone can win an award if they put their mind to it and they want to win an award any anyone can win some kind of award these days i think um but it's understanding what gain that can give you from a from a commercial standpoint so whether that's whether you're running your own agency or working with a vested interest in pushing that agency and and kind of forging your career forward absolutely and i think you know if you if you look at it as a as the business side of your career in terms of kind of pushing that career forward recruiters love the words award hyphen winning they absolutely love it they it's almost <laughs> like well you know if they if a if a company is looking for you, they're not interested in you unless you're award-winning. So you have to go through the emotions. Whether you're anti-awards or not, you have to go through those emotions of trying to be that award winner because that's what makes our business go around uh, in, in the world of creativity, design, advertising, brand, etc. cetera. Uh, the awards do speak for themselves, really. How do you feel about education, Daniel? Do you feel like education is enough? to be able to get you where you need to be? Or do you feel like talent is enough? Because some people feel like they have talent and they can get to where they need to. And some people go to mm -hmm. school. But how do you feel about both? Do you think you need both as a combination? Or do you feel like one is enough to be able to get to where you need to be? Possibly, but I think I'd, I'd say from speaking from personal experience, it's good to have both because from an education point of view to have that grounding to have that foundation to make sure that when you do come into doing work on a commercial level that you are you're not making those silly kind of little mistakes that you might do you know with if you're just purely talented and it's it's learning your craft it's learning the difference between good and and great and and knowing the difference and without that foundation you can be you can be very very talented but whether that's gonna hit the right notes in terms of having you know a resonance for the audience it's it, i'd say it's debatable i think okay most definitely what is one of the most empowering projects that you have ever worked on that personally made a difference in your life oh this is this is very much uh, an easy one for me. And uh, 
I was very fortunate to work at an agency called Liberty in in Brixton. Yes. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but I'm just you know, biggest fan. I, you know, it was a good few years ago now, but I absolutely love my time uh, at, at Liberty. They do so many fantastic things, and everything's got a, a strong kind of purpose to it. Um, and you know, we we hear purpose thrown about left, right, and centre these days, but they they were behind you know campaigns having a strong kind of social purpose many many moons ago before everyone else kind of jumped on the bandwagon and this was a campaign where I didn't know what I was going to be doing kind of going into it all I knew it was um, a campaign for for Google Uh, it was a a, a campaign working with kids and I'd you know worked on a number of of youth kind of projects in the past and this was um, doing campaign for key, key stage two children uh they're so they're they're kind of what i suppose back then what you'd call kind of pre-mobile phone kids but they're still kind of dabbling in the internet making all those terrible mistakes on the internet and god knows you know parents are probably not understanding the ins and outs of the internet themselves are not perhaps giving them the guidance so it's it's really about empowering young children at a very very young age to uh, to equip them with the right tools to be able to deal with the internet yes. in the right way. And this was this was an absolute kind of eye opener for me in terms of how you how you truly kind of speak to to children and how you truly empower them. And I love that word empower empowerment and giving children resilience and all of these wonderful kind of building blocks that you that you give children so they grow up to be very kind of strong um and uh and rounded individuals and the and the idea was that we created a a schools assembly platform so it was all about a, a roadshow that went out to schools up and down the country to teach them of how to use the uh, the internet um correctly and we we created a little bit of a a green cross code for um for using the internet so it was four simple phrases think protect checked respect so it's about thinking, yeah. thinking before you're sharing anything online, protecting all your passwords. Um, check if it's for real, if it's a scam, you know, it's understanding that. And then respect, just respect people, treat people how you want to be treated. Don't troll people, you know, so much trolling online. And, you know, the only reason kids yeah. do it is because there are tons of adults out there trolling. So it's it's trying to kind of breed a new generation that's a lot more respectful and understanding and uh, of the of the kind of ins and outs of the of the internet and how to use it wisely so it was yeah it's a fantastic campaign to work on and it it was picked up by um the various kind of education ministers and we we ran a big program for safer internet um day with a whole bunch of kids from from south london coming to a big kind of theater event together um and it was lovely. It was it was just so lovely to because quite often you're just trying to kind of work on campaigns where you're you're shifting products, you're shifting products and units. Where's the, where's the good? You can't, you know. Sometimes you kind of get home at night and think, oh, have I have I sold my soul to the devil again? And um, and that's one of those campaigns where you realise, wow, there's a real strong kind of purpose here, and we're we're doing some we're doing some good. Yeah. Oh, I'm just thinking of (laughs) what what message would you like to give anybody 
who is looking to go in the direction that you have and become an inspiration like you have to to other people in the creative field of work what advice would you give them especially if they're coming out of university or they're young and they don't have support or anyone to push them like maybe we have to do what we love to do what advice would you give them I think the best the best advice I could give is to if you're really kind of passionate about being in the industry is to understand what makes a good campaign or a good piece of design great so take something that you're really really passionate about that you you has resonated with you and then start to deconstruct that so going from the end result back to what that possible brief might be and what whether that brief was really really well answered so i really like to kind of you know going back to the snickers um analogy earlier take something that you you just it either makes you laugh or makes you go wow and then start to understand why why does that make me feel that way why 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 do i kind of look at that and why does it make me feel so passionate about kind of pursuing this industry and then start to deconstruct that and make notes around that and that might kind of give you a few extra little hidden tools or gems to apply to your own work and also from a from a inspiration point of view realize that inspiration isn't just in the end result of a creative campaign it's absolutely anywhere it's absolutely everywhere so it's a walk it's a walk in the park or down the street and it's it might be something odd it might be an interaction between two random people it might be something in a in a drain it might be a squirrel or whatever you know it's there's so such kind of random things that it will either make you laugh or make you cry or whatever you know if it if it brings out a strong emotion then write it down because there is so much power in emotion and how you can emotionally connect with an audience see i like that i really do like that i i was talking to somebody i'm sure you know it might be your pa <laughs> <laughs> told me um some really nice news she said that you're about to launch a very cool kids smartwatch yeah. I don't know if you're allowed to talk about it right now. Well, but I, I thought um, it would be nice to maybe brief us on what it could be about, so people could understand that. And it sounds like a fantastic idea. Uh, would you like to talk about? Yeah. It? So, well, hopefully, by the time this podcast comes out, the the product yeah. will be launched. So I can tell you tell you a little bit about it but it is it's a kids smartwatch it's a it's a partnership with with disney so lots and lots of yes. disney characters and, and content on there and again going back to that idea of purpose we th we think there are, there are so many children and again at key stage two that are probably taking mobile phones to school and they don't they really don't need mobile phones because that opens up a whole world of issues and potential problems when a when a I don't know, a seven, an eight-year-old, and that some of them are that young with mobile phones these, these days, have that power in their hands. And perhaps the parent is a little kind of naive about, you know, what, what, what that can give them, doesn't necessarily put all the restrictions on there, and all of a sudden they are going down a bit of a, a rabbit hole in terms of the, 
websites that they're on or social media or whatever and it's you know it's a dangerous place to be there's reasons why everything has a an age restriction to it and the great thing about our product is it's a it's a very safe introduction we call it a a pre-mobile phone device so it's a very safe way to have a few of those things that you perhaps kind of need so if your child is walking to school by themselves for the first time that you know you you will have peace of mind if you're connected with that child so you know our watch enables children and parents to kind of connect whether that's through you know voice or or or, or chat you know there are ways to kind of connect with the the people that kind of matter in your life so it's a you know there's no there's no kind of internet browsing or anything like that but there are certain little things that make a a child feel like they've got a very very special gadget in their hands so we know how much children love technology i mean even in the early days of when i was a kid i absolutely loved anything that was had a slight kind of techie feel to it yeah. but if you're able to give them that that they they feel empowered again go back to that word empowerment but they but they they're empowered in a in a safe way then you've got the best of both worlds there so yeah very very excited about this this watch coming out in the next few days um and yeah kind of watch this space so hopefully it's going to be at the, the top of the christmas list for for all the parents and kids I want you want one yeah i want okay. one now <laughs> that's fine <laughs> nothing nothing to say that um adults can't wear them as well in, in fact there's plenty of adults in our office that are already wearing them so uh I yeah guess. totally well you know uh, Disney fans, you don't stop being a Disney fan. Think about all the, you know, Disney Plus at the moment. Uh, how many, how many people love Disney as children and and are wanting to kind of re-engage in that yeah. experience as, as adults? You know, I I bought Disney Plus subscription. Was it for my children or was it for myself? I don't know. Pro- probably a bit of both. I'm watching The Mandalorian. They're watching Frozen Two or whatever. But it's um, yeah, I think it's a bit of both. Oh, that's super cool. Hey, I've got two more questions for you yeah. now. Uh, my second to last question is, what would you like your legacy to be? Because I think this is really important in our lives and it's, sometimes it's a question that we all ask ourselves at some point in our lives. What, how would we like to be remembered? But also, how, what would we like our legacy to be from people and within ourselves? What would you say? I ooh, again, this is this inward kind of focused um, answers that I need to give you here. So that I that I was giving, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to give back. I want to see the people that I work with know that I kind of gave it my all and gave them the support that they they wanted. I mean, you know, in a in a professional capacity, in a in a personal capacity that I wasn't an ass, quite frankly I don't you know I, I know I can be quite kind of headstrong about ideas sometimes but I tried to do it in a nice humble collaborative way um you have to be firm sometimes do. well Neil. it's in my surname so <laughs> firm yeah <laughs> yeah firm but fair um yeah totally and that's yeah it is it is you know I'd, I'd like to think I'm a relatively nice person and I'm a generous person. You know, it, I yeah. I don't have hundreds and hundreds of friends, but the friends that I do have, I'm very giving and very generous to and will always have always have time for. 
Uh, and that's very, 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 very important to me to be able to time is the biggest gift of all. And to, to leave this kind of pla planet knowing that you've given people some time is a very valuable thing, I think. It's such a simple thing, but very valuable. And my last one for you, Neil, is where can we find you on all your social media platforms? And if anybody would like to get in touch with you, like I was humble to, where could they find you? Yeah, well, I'd, uh, I'm on Instagram, probably more more Instagram than Twitter, but my handle on, on both of those is Mr. Firmston. So, um, yeah, you can find me there. I've got a, a folio, so you can check out my work at firmston.co.uk. And um, I've also got a little kind of pop art project that I work on, which is um, marginally more successful than my commercial work um instagram which is the fermi so again just the shortening of my name fermi um um that's quite a good one just to kind of show what happens in my spare time beyond just doing work for for um for big for big companies what what kind of drives me on a on a personal level yeah i love that Neil, thank you so much for coming on the podcast i really do appreciate your humbleness and your gratitude for just life and you know being able to help other people thank you so much oh thank you that's been it's been really fun thank you oh you're welcome guys thank you so much for listening to the ask people podcast and please remember you can subscribe to spotify itunes and google play and any other platform that you prefer listening to please also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter and you can also donate to the ask people podcast by simply go to the savvy rocks website or just simply type in paypal.me forward slash us people podcast thank you so much for listening stay happy stay positive and as always please continue to be kind to one another my pleasure because i you know i appreciate that everyone's got a, a little something in their life that they're either going through at the moment or they perhaps had to overcome but it's knowing how you can turn that perhaps kind of darkness or negativity into something in positive and empowering and it's uh, it's good to to hear people's stories that they have overcome adversity to to get themselves in a positive place i think